So you want me to do some sort of beat just to yeah, start yeah, the beginning please. of the conversation? Okay. Uh, Grown-ass man, take one. Beep. Beep. Nice. Dude, now we're going to get confused with your beep, Doug. No, I don't think so. Your beep was much better than mine. There are men who love Batman, but have never even heard of Man Bat. There are men who could draw the Wolfman from memory, but wouldn't even recognize Man Wolf, or Werewolf by Night, or Marv Wolfman. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost, two men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. With special grown-ass man, Steve Farrell. Welcome to Grown-ass Men, Steve Farrell. I have, I have to say, I've intended to have you on this show for a long time, and this is finally, my plans have come to fruition. I, I'm told that the most savvy comic book fans live in Seattle. <laughs> I don't know about the most savvy, but, uh, uh, you know, it's been my uh, uh, ardent desire to be on the show. Big fan, big fan. We're here to talk about Superman and Batman. Finally, they're making the movie where it's your childlike dream come true. It's the basis of every who would win argument in third grade. Who would win between Superman and Batman? Who would win between, the? in fact, the Hulk and Superman? In fact, I was walking out Broadway just a week ago and... This guy was unloading a, a bunch of boxes of you know, wine or beer or something like that, and he was wheeling him into a restaurant, and he was yelling to his friend who was in the truck with him. He was like, nah, Hulk would win every time over Superman. Every time. <laughs> you know, they're like fully grown men. And I had to stop. I was like, I totally agree, because he's got the rage. And he was like, see, this guy knows. <laughs> what do you think, Steve? Is, is Superman... The most powerful superhero in the DC Marvel universe. You know, I, it's funny. I never really the Superman Batman fight conversation. I never really engaged in because it seemed like something that just you shouldn't. That the, they're they're in two different leagues. You know, it's like saying, you know, a basketball player is going to do great against a football player. You know, it's just like they're, they're just two different styles. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with Superman and Hulk. Superman and Hulk would be that I could engage in a long, long dialogue about. <laughs> but Superman and Batman, I'm like, it's like, why would that even happen? That's why I think the Frank Miller version was, was so amazing, because he took something that was so implausible and made it real. I, right, Superman is the most, I think he is the most powerful in the DC universe. DC also had some weird godlike uh, characters, as I remember. Um, but it's almost like he's so powerful that he's not, he's just boring. He's invulnerable, he can travel through time, he goes so fast, He's he's got nearly unlimited strength. So what's there left to conquer like? Even Kryptonite's weakness was like it, it's it's kind of a rare rock. So he's certainly boring with that guy who plays him now in the movies. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. Previous Superman, Brandon, what's his face, Brandon Routh, who's like doing his DC thing now in the TV shows. 
He was pretty snoozable, I, I have to say. Yeah. Um, like at least at least uh, Henry is a little bit more interesting. Yeah, a little bit. And more. obviously works out a lot more than Brandon. Once the Daredevil movie went out, I lost interest intensely in the movies. I mean, I got interested in it again with the Netflix stuff, and I did like Avengers. But, you know, I didn't see Man of Steel. I just, even this Batman Superman, once I saw the trailer, I was just like, oh, who cares, man? My uh, father-in-law, George Baumler, very uh, nice guy, and very limited interest in superheroes he likes the submariner and that's about it he likes submariner that's it submariner yeah does does he say submariner he is convinced that it's the submariner and i'm not going to fight him on it i say submariner let's call the whole thing off but he (laughs) he is interested in superman versus batman because it's so obvious to him who who's going to win obviously superman's going to win there's no question why even have the fight. And I had yeah. to tell him because I think, that's, you know, Batman's ruthless and they're going to try to make the fight worth having and he's going to have kryptonite in his gloves or whatever. But, right. but you know what? And, and you didn't, t- you ahead, didn't take him through the, the Frank Miller treatment, at least a Cliff Notes version of the Frank Miller treatment, and say, hey, this has been done before. And the the audacity of that fight was that you were kind of like hey this this isn't even going to be fair but batman brought it to a peer level yes he well was i able to kind of I get put together the same level. i put together a powerpoint presentation for george baumler to show him all of the <laughs> ways that he's wrong about superman necessarily winning and i took him through it was like a hour and a half presentation but he wait wait i just want to say this and i i know you guys are going to agree with me so let's see if you actually do. I'm hoping you do. <laughs> Wouldn't the real movie to be made be Batman versus Submariner? Resentful. They hate everybody except for. Uh, Submariner hates everybody except for Namora and Sue Richards, his ladies. Batman versus Submariner. I that is an interesting fight. I really can't imagine how they would. Where's the common ground? You know, like are they going to fight on underwater? They're just going to fight. It's <laughs> going to go underwater. It's going to go in the air. He he could get a bat sub. He could totally get a bat sub. And, and if he's doing this suit of armor for Superman, I have to think Batman could come and get some sort of like bathysphere sort yeah. of thing, you know, that would allow him or just a straight up rebreather. So he's he's underwater with like a very minimal mask. And of course, Alfred's helped him with it. And away oh, yeah. we go. And the bat boat um, and he would have and he'd have the shark repellent. Shark repellent bat spray. <laughs> bat bat <Exactly>. shark repellent. <laughs> I just think Submariner is an interesting character, you know? He has depth in a way that Superman doesn't. I agree. 
Submariner, I like him a lot better. Yeah, and, and you, Adam, you hit the nail on the head. Submariner is just the most angry guy. Like he really has two settings, which is underwater rage, let loose on land, and fawning over Sue. Oh yeah. And there's just there's just no like he's suddenly like cuddling with her after just like, and they, they would draw him with just like the most horrendous scowls. Like yes. looking and the at things reading. that he would do to Manhattan in the old 40s comics, he would just like gleefully take the top of the Empire State Building and crash it into a park <laughs> full of people. That's right. I don't know. I because what, what we're I think we need to he, make he, this he, movie, Steve. Do you think you could raise a few million dollars or what? Let's put that I, together. I feel like there there's like a wheel in Hollywood that's being spun around comic franchises. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you could probably hit that. You could probably say, Hey, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to do cross worlds, but only fights. So you thought Batman and Superman were awesome. Okay. Now we're going to do Superman, Hulk, Submariner, Batman, their eyes will just be swimming in that kind of Scrooge McDuck. Totally. Kind of way. Wonder Woman versus Howard the Duck. That would be nice. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Well, my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot. Oh, okay. Um, so as far as like if I really want to go back and say, hey, where did where did I get comic culture? It was, it was the Batman TV show. It was all that stuff. I, I have two older brothers, one older sister, but me and my older brothers like would religiously watch the Adam West Batman. And without any sense of camp or irony, it w- it was just straight up awesome. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I remember seeing the mo- the movie in the movie theater with some buddies. I must have been like eight or something like that, and we were like, <laughs> no, th- that movie was like mind blown. It was like white knuckled on the armrests. They take the bat cycle to the bat copter. And as they came up onto the helipad where the bat copter is already like started and running and they're, they're going to go out and after the submarine, the sidecar detaches from yeah. the bats from the, from the cycle and goes to the other side of the helicopter. Like he kind of steers it. Like they practice that maneuver mm, yes. to like get out quickly, just get in the helicopter and they're Cause gone. it saved them time and- for more crime fighting. Exactly. They're just so damn efficient. And <laughs> and it it was it was like it was like every scene you set up with Batman toys brought to life. Oh. You you were like Kadoosh, and then we're into the helicopter, you it know. It totally and, was. And to, to have a movie that brings together all those villains in one movie. Oh. It was so satisfying. Yes, it was. And, and when and the you car go back was and you that watch cool, it. like the Batmobile, I saw it the a couple of weeks ago ago at a at a museum they had the batmobile and that 1966 batmobile is so cool you can't not take the show seriously as a 10 year old man when they were sitting in that thing ah we used to my my, when my oldest brother bob um who is an enormous and lovely geek and i learned a lot of my geek powers from when he first learned how to drive we used to we used to repeat what they would say when they got into the car, which was turbines to speed, atomic battery to power. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. 
and they would go and then and then like flames out of the back oh and then the way it would come in and then they'd jump out and it would automatically turn around on the turntable in the back cave again again it's already turning by the time they're like they're jumping out and the turntable's already going (laughs) because their shit is dialed I did love that. I, it was perfect, man. And I, I think so many people do. People kind of get a little weird about it because it is so campy when you look at it now. But it, for the people our age, when we were young watching it, it was really happening. Well, so Steve and I have a special connection to that show, which is Lorenzo Semple Jr. Yes, exactly. Can you explain who that is? Okay, so Lorenzo Semple Jr., uh, taught a master class in screenwriting at the program that Doug and I went to at NYU Dramatic Writing Program. Wow! And Lorenzo's Lorenzo's class was, if if you were kind of like, hey, I want to be a screenwriter, Lorenzo's class is where you had to end up, um, because he was kind of um, the most prestigious. Like he worked. He did um, the Parallax and, View, Three Days of the Condor. Yeah. He did right. um, King Kong. He did that The Drowning Pool with Paul Newman. I'm not naming the big movies. My name is Bond. Oh, you're Mr. Bond. I believe I'm having you in half an hour. Oh, splendid. Your room or mine. Sean Connery is Ian Fleming's James Bond in Never Say Never Again. He's a guy who really worked in Hollywood. Right. And also... He was the original writer on the Batman TV show. Really? That's awesome. Did you guys get yeah, to like he, talk to him about Batman? Like, did you have that kind of access to him? Yeah, he did. He 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 was very um, uh, generous with his Batman TV show commentary. Oh um, man, but, that's but, so cool. But but never in a way like it's never like. Because he was still a professor, and I don't know about you, Doug, but I still was sort of like in that, I'm in awe of professors kind of thing. <laughs> um, so it was always like you would get little nuggets of it, of ask him about the writing or whatnot. And and we were talking about basically the homoerotic imagery throughout that TV show. Just yeah. the fact that it's like, yeah, he and he's like, come on, teenage ward, are you serious? Like, <laughs> we weren't too subtle. and he he would just laugh about it and be like okay two guys slide down a pole and change into their underwear i mean you know (laughs) it's not really buried Um, that's that's hilarious and and he also had a thing um that was kind of uh like a tourette's tick that he would have where he would kind of um underline any statement he he was giving you with a kind of he'd make this little noise He'd say, like, I mean, we're not being too subtle. And it was usually, and, that tick would come out when he thought he was right about something. Or when he thought he was funny. Hmm. It would become yeah. more and more pronounced the more he would say something that he thought would... Like, well, I think that character of, of David's ex-wife is really your deus ex machina. Hmm? It, was, it was like an emphasis. It was like an underline he would put in anything he just said to you. But then it, the thing that amazed us all the most is when we were taking his class, it had never occurred to me to really 
go and rewatch the Batman episodes. Oh wow! But when we go, so now we're we're students of Lorenzo's, and we go to the library at NYU, and we watch some of the old episodes, and we watch an episode with Burgess Meredith as the Penguin right. fighting Batman, <laughs> and Burgess Meredith comes out, and he goes, "Well, Batman can't possibly defeat me now." <laughs> And he would do this thing, and it was Lorenzo's tick. And we all realized at the same time, oh my God, Burgess Meredith is doing Lorenzo Semple as the Penguin. Wow. And yes, I, absolutely. I, you know, because Lorenzo was a creator of the show, and he was there all the time, and Burgess Meredith just picked up that tick and started doing it as the Penguin, which is fantastic. I always took his tick as kind of the subconscious damage that had been done to him in Hollywood. Like, like it was just this manifestation of everything he had weathered during his career, because he was also very vocal about kind of like the bullshit you, you, that he had to deal with. Yeah, it was, the, it was the manifestation of having to do Sheena the She-Devil, or Sha whatever that movie was. But There's a Sheena if, if the She-Devil movie? Written by Lorenzo Semple. And it came out? Sheena. She was an innocent in a savage world. Yes. I and, gotta and see this. Just go to IMDb and look up Lorenzo, and you'll see, like, that guy worked. Oh, his credits and, are amazing. But apparently, like, if Burgess Meredith is, is, is uh, you know, picking up off of him, that was pretty early on. So he must have, you know, it must have manifest pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, just getting back to that show, I mean... Those villains who, you know, the guys who played the villains on the Batman TV show, that's really what they're most famous for. And they were great actors. I mean, Cesar Romero played the Joker, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, isn't that what he's most known for? Mr. Freeze was played by, I think, Otto oh, yeah, Preminger, right? The director. Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt, at that time, was also known for being really vocally anti-war right um and and refusing i think she refused a uh invitation to the white house from nixon she was kind of badass at that time yeah right um well i think everybody likes eartha kit that there's no controversy there nixon yes eartha kit no <laughs> and then what's I, I have to what about julie newmar yes julie newmar and and not that i'm saying you should search the internet for slash fiction Julie Newmar, but there's a lot of people who have strong feelings about <laughs> Julie Newmar. I am one of those people. <laughs> I have strong feelings about Julie Newmar. She, she's like she's like an ideal that has come and gone, but yeah. people have not forgotten her. Yeah, no other Catwoman has ever filled that costume. Mm. Yes. Who played Batgirl? Yvonne Craig. Oh, uh, Yvonne, Yvonne Craig. Craig. She was. How could you forget Yvonne Craig? She was amazing, and she was also the green person in Star Trek episode, the first see the first yep. run, right? With, with you know, yeah, right. yeah. And my my older daughter went through a fairly healthy Batgirl stage, and that has a signed Yvonne Craig picture. She understands it, and like understood that Batgirl's moves were a high kick. And then kind of doing a sort of sideways cartwheel after joining hands with Robin or Batman. That's right. Like that's they right. would spin her around and she would do this sort of like, you know, uh, cartwheel thing and guys would fly. 
the whole Batman family was interesting. And then there was the Superman family. DC did this thing in the 50s where every major superhero had, well, maybe not Wonder Woman, though, but they all had these families. Shazam had a family. Right, right. Batman had a family. Batmite and Alfred and Batwoman. And then there right. was, Superboy, you know, Supergirl. Crypto the Superdog. Shazam had a family? Like, didn't... Like a Mrs. Shazam or oh or yeah, just... wasn't there like a Miss Marvel and not the Miss Marvel from Marvel? Universe. Yeah, there was there was uh, Mary Marvel. Mary Marvel, that's right, Mary Marvel. There were there oh were a God. bunch of those kids. Shazam had a I don't know who the mom was, but he had a lot of kids. They might not even have that's been Shazam. Actual he children. got around, man. I don't think they worked out the <clears throat> logistics of. Do you guys remember the Shazam TV show on Saturday mornings? Sure. Oh, I used to watch yeah. that intensely. Shazam and Isis, the Shazam and Isis hour. Yeah, almighty. Oh, oh man, o now Ze we're talking. Oh, Zephyr winds which blow on high, lift me now so I can fly. <laughs> you have amazing there's, memory for that stuff. Oh, there, man, there's a portion of your brain that is just dedicated to that. Yeah, and like I, that. you know, I've forgotten a bunch of phone numbers, but I still have that. Yeah, and they drove around in a Winnebago, and they had that like big jewel encrusted like disco ball between the two seats. And again, old man traveling around with this young kid Mentor. in Winnebago together with some weird disco kind of thing. And you know, it's like, how are they not arrested? That important question ends part one of our free-ranging interview with the legendary grown-ass man Steve Farrell. And on our next podcast, we'll share part two with Steve where we get into Superman on the classic TV show and in the new movie. And we'll have a story about why you should never try to imitate Batman at home. See you then, my friends. Grown-ass man.